Welcome to this week's session of Pricked the Interviews. My name is Kim Brown Sims, and as a nurse of over three decades, I've always said that I've pricked many, many people, and it was always for their own good. Pricked is an interview series that touches on those situations that cause us to react. Positive, negative, inspired, angered. Energy is created, and through telling the stories of what has pricked us in our lives, we gain insight to the common bonds in humanity. Great and powerful action can result from even the littlest prick. Join me now as we jump into another incredible story about being pricked. Welcome to this week's session of Pricked the Interviews. The title of this week's show is From the Mind of a Millennial. I had the privilege back in January of interviewing an incredible young man named Jake Vialis on Facebook Live. The interview received an incredible amount of engagement and commentary. Jake is 26 years old, and he graduated from the University of Oregon in 2017 with a bachelor's degree in political science and a minor in comparative literature. He currently works for U.S. banks in the mortgage closing department. The remarkable aspect of Jake is that he comes at life with an amazing perspective. He sees the many sides of the issues and speaks eloquently and intelligently about the approaches government and humanity could take to make this place we live in a better place for all. He shares a poignant pricked story about someone who didn't believe in him, but who he now thanks because that prick gave Jake the prick of inspiration and motivation. Let's join in on the conversation with Jake Vialis and my Facebook Live co-host, Kevin Bowen. Absolutely thrilled because we have a special guest today, and uh, our guest name is Jake Vialis, and we're thrilled to have him on. Outside of the fact that he's my nephew, pretty <laughs> darn amazing young man, he has a bachelor's degree in poli sci. So we're really curious to hear what wisdom he can share with us, and also. He's, I think, Jake, you'll have to correct me. You're kind of a zillennial, aren't you? You're really kind of on that cusp of Gen Z and millennials. Very much. Very much, yes. Yeah, McKenna is as well. And um, I think she's more firmly planted in the Gen Z coming into her 24th year. But I'm really also incredibly curious about your perspective on things that are going on in the world right now. Yeah. So, but, you know, we always start first with, kind of give us a story about something that's pricked you and kind of what that motivation did for you. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have spent a decent amount of time thinking about that because I remember the first time I watched you both on here, I thought that's a pretty cool concept and started thinking to myself, well, I don't really know that I've had anything like that in my life. And as I kept thinking about it more, I'd even spoken to my dad about it and he goes, what do you mean you don't know? And I was like, okay, well, I'm sure you could rehash a couple of my past grievances in the world, whether that be with school, with society, with anything. Uh, yeah. So I started asking him, I was like, well, what do you mean? And then I recalled shortly after, I was like, oh yeah, I did have that one high school counselor who told me college isn't for everyone. <laughs> and so I was thinking, well, you know, just because I don't like to try that hard doesn't mean that I don't think I could achieve those same things. And particularly with math, that was my thing in high school, most of middle school too, but high school in particular was that threshold where I crossed with math on, I don't like the way that they're teaching this. I don't think I can do it. 
And then all that I got in reinforcement from my teachers was, yeah, math's not for everybody. This isn't a thing for you. You should probably just figure out something else. Like, obviously you're good at, you're articulate, you can read, you can write, you stick to your strengths sort of thing. And then when I got into college, I took a statistics class and I said, well, this is really cool. I love money and I love to know when I'm right or the odds of me being right. So like maybe they were wrong and math is my thing. And then first job out of college was as a collections legal assistant. So I was like, oh, a little bit of law that, you know, the poli sci aspect of preparing some briefs, getting hearing binders ready and then collections. So math, like I have to calculate interest accurately to present to a court. It's like, okay, so they were wrong. Like math is my thing. My next job was as an accountant for a law firm, um, which was really cool. Like I got to work for an immigration law firm. And so that was kind of my pricked moment was in high school being told, one, college isn't for everybody. And two, stick to your strengths and math isn't one of them. And now I'm sitting here later this year, I plan on taking the securities industries essential exam, which is something you need to get any securities job. And then I'll take the series seven. And then I think in Oregon, you have to take a series 66 as well. But I'm basically on, on the road to being qualified to buy and sell securities on behalf of other people. And at one point, not too long ago, was told math wasn't for me. Um, so that was kind of my, my moment was I realized working even in collections, calculating interest isn't that hard. And it seems like with other resources outside of what I've memorized, like Excel, for example, I can do a lot of math that I didn't even know I was capable of. So I think it was just using the resources and that, that really opened up a, a new world for me. And now I'm, now I'm working at a bank. So. Isn't that crazy? So, you know, we had Mike Ryan on as well, who was told college wasn't for him either. And he's been wildly successful and is very well educated. And, you know, I think it speaks a lot to the idea that maybe it's not that college isn't for you. Maybe it's that the way it's being taught isn't the way that you learn the, learn it, you know, the best, yeah. um, which is kind of, uh, you know, something actually that McKenna is focused on with the contract labor grading system, which is more equitable. Like how much energy are you putting into this? And do we need to enter into a contract about, you know, how you learn and are there different modalities for learning? Right. To make it more equitable, you know, because the whole idea that you're not cut out for college is based off of someone's assumption, right? On a, on a certain set of standards that they want you to configure to. And it's not just on standards in general. It's these are like common core, for example. These are certain standards that we were told we need to value. You don't quite meet those. We don't really want to try to form you into them. Right. Well, yeah. And not only that, but... Also, it's based off of a one person's experience, their life experience, you know, which could be limited. You, you just don't really know. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. really kind of cool. That's a good prick story. That is a great prick story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, had, I had the opposite coming up. I, um, I was very good at math uh, in uh, high school and scored very well on my SATs. I got to college and was doing fine my first year. And then they introduced me to calculus. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, no thanks. I didn't understand why I needed to know the volume of something below a curve. <laughs> there are calculators for that. <laughs> that was my argument. 
Yeah. Well, you know, and that's half the battle. I mean, as a leader coming up, what you realize is you don't have to know everything. You just have to know where to go for your resource. You know, maybe somebody else knows the answer or maybe there is a book or is there something online? I mean, good Lord, it's easy to search the internet now for just about anything. Like I said, we'll ask Google. That's what I usually do. Effective search terms go a long way. (laughs) Yeah. In our house, we say Google that shit because it comes up frequently. Like you've got to Google it to get the right answer. I mean, I don't have all the answers and it's very easy to ask somebody who knows. Now the question is, what's the reliable information, right? And the other question is, how far do we take that? Is do we just accept being able to look it up for any piece of information or are there certain things that we should retain? That's something I've noticed being um, the millennial Gen Z combo is that that, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Like you heard me say earlier, I will always, oh, let's Google it. Let me ask the Google. Like right. you said, we'll Google that shit. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's habit. And so at this point, I don't, I don't know if that's like a disconnect with me and facts, but I feel like there's not anything that I really need to know anymore because mm-hmm. information is that accessible. It's I can even not touch a button and say, hey, Siri. And sorry if I made any devices in your house go off, but. Uh, you just paused. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little jazz going in the background, but you just paused. <laughs> but yeah, that's, and that's exactly like, you don't even have to so much as lift a finger now to figure out something that you want to know. And I think, I mean, that's amazing to have those resources, but it's knowing how to use them too. Which yeah, I does think it, Does it make ahead. us lazy or does it create yes. a neural pathway? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, if it's information that I have and I just need to figure out how to apply it, ret- retrieve it. I'll retrieve it. Um, right. And I'll, I'll take the time and think about it for a moment before I'll rely on Google. But if it's like, I need somebody to see what Mitch McConnell's age was. So it's like, okay, that's not <laughs> So I know I don't know that. And I, that's an immediate Google. That's exactly <laughs> now, was he born in 1923 or 1924? Who knows, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 1920, actually. Uh, oh, really? Oh, no, sorry. 19, wow. 1940. Uh, oh, oh okay. I was going to say, really? 1920? He's 20. 101. <laughs> so I didn't think he was 100. Sorry, sorry, Senator McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm frequently uh, right now with, um, I'm reading Barack Obama's book and I'll come across a word I am unfamiliar with and I'll say, you know, Alexa, what's blah, blah, blah mean? And she just, and I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And I move right on because then I've learned a new word. I mean, both Kevin and I are voracious readers and have been since we were very young. And, um, you know, so our vocabulary is pretty broad, but uh, Barack Obama's vocabulary, (laughs) woo, that man, he's got it. You're going to so, take a tall drink of water to put a cap on that. <laughs> oh, that is the that is the truth. So you're in political science. What, you know, eventually, what do you want to do with that? And then that just opens the door right to, you know, what's your perspective on what's been going on in the world? The events from two weeks ago, the events from last week, and the event that's occurring tomorrow. tomorrow the way yeah. handled. I'm super curious. So um, I was actually, I don't know, I'm going to throw some optimism on here and say that it was um, a very good time to be a political science student. When I started college in 2014 and graduated in 2017 with the election of Donald Trump having occurred in 2016, 
with only months left until I graduated with my political science degree, which I thought was going to be so fun to go and door knock for a campaign uh, in Oregon, or even just end up using that as like a stepping stone to get into law school. And I did end up applying for law school because that was ultimately the goal was get into politics as soon as I can. What's the best way to do that? Well, right now I look 14, so I do great knocking on doors, but I do even better looking 17 once I graduate law school. And then people will say, oh, wow, well, you're so young or you're so, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I still look like that and I'm 26. So that was always something I thought, okay, well, this could play to my advantage. I can speak well. I'm articulate. I know I could go through law school. I could make it. And so that was originally the plan. But 2017 kind of had a mixed bag for me uh, because obviously I was thinking as a political science student, having just studied a lot of the elections that have happened in history, a lot of the presidencies that have happened in history, that this would be another sort of traditional transition of power into a president or somebody who wants to be a president. And I don't know if that's necessarily what happened. I do think I, in particular, and a lot of people who are my age, give the president a lot of extra flack that maybe isn't necessary. It's the hardest job in the world, but it's very clear to see when you're not doing the most or doing what's in the best interest of everybody and being a little more divisive. And I think that was very easy to see when I was going through school, because like I said, it was a very unique time. It was no one had ever seen a transition or the attempt at a transition like that. No one had seen a celebrity TV power grab, so to speak. So I got to see that. I got to listen to some of what I think are the the better minds, at least in my state, talk about what the educational value of that was and what sort of the precedent that was setting is. And then getting to talk about even the policy initiatives, talking about replacing judges, figuring out all sorts of different procedures in the federal government that I never was really familiar with. I think that was all really valuable. If we talk about how the result or what the pending result is so far, I would say not so good just because I think it's another one of those and, I, and don't get me wrong, it's it's very nice to hear all these stories. It's another bootstrap story. And, and honestly, with this guy, it's not even a bootstrap story. It's like his dad grabbed his bootstraps for him and then gold coins leaked out of his sleeves when he was grabbing his bootstraps, landed right in his son's shoes. And it's like, I don't have the same opportunity that my parents had. The The quality of life, sure, it's probably the same. The cost of living exponentially increased my wage maybe up 7% since they were children. Like, come on, it's kind of a joke. Like, and then, oh, oh, I'm the guy of the people. I'm the guy who got a small loan of a million dollars. Like, I don't know. I have a hard time believing where the, where it's coming from in terms of a genuine capacity, but I definitely see where, where the appeal is because honestly, I think he believes that. I think he believes he did it. He made it on his own. He broke his back. He bankrupt 13 companies. And now he's a billionaire on paper because Deutsche Bank will loan him that much money. And more power to him. That's what a lot of success looks like in our society. And I think that's the hard part is differentiating that because obviously that's not what I would like success to look like. And I'm sure a lot of other people wouldn't either. But then there's 70 some odd million folks who think, wow, he did it. He gave up his billionaire lifestyle to do what's better for me. And they genuinely think he did better for them. Can they point to a single policy initiative that improved their life? Some can, some can't. And can I point to a single one that has 
made the quality of my life my life worse? Also, probably not. Probably could. I don't make over four hundred thousand dollars a year. I don't. I don't get the tax benefits. I don't get the the tax problems. I don't. I feel like I fall right in the middle, and that's why it's kind of interesting to watch because I know, like like I said, I'm not going to get the same life that my parents had just based on the cost of cost of goods versus earning on time. And so like my time is worth less now, but everything costs more. And that's such a weird thing to see. I think it just signifies more than anything, like sort of a, like a moral decay, mm-hmm. almost like we don't really care as much what we have to say or what we have to do as long as it's deemed successful or as long as we can get those external labels and that external affirmation. Um, but I don't think that means the world's going better. So that was the hard part for me is I see a lot of a lot of hope from it, but I also see a lot of despair that's caused by it. And like you said, the instance last week, one of the most recent examples is until then, I was even on the fence of, okay, yes, am I finding this person slightly morally reprehensible in most instances? Yes. Could there be people who find like, passion and drive from the same dude also yes so let's not write him off in in whole yet and then all of a sudden let's go encourage our senators and congressmen and women at the capitol and i will be there with you and then he goes back to catch mcdonald's at the white house and watch live with his family nope that was it that was crossing the line for me that was the time when i decided no matter how much hope you can inspire, the amount of destruction and the amount of damage that's at stake, I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to even say that's okay or that I'm willing to accommodate that idea because that doesn't, it doesn't seem okay. Uh, and so I think that for me and maybe a lot of other people was kind of crossing the line. I think the line has been towed, if not crossed already before. Not a big fan, uh, but I think that was kind of like, it answers the question to anybody who says, well, there's only two weeks left. Why now? Well, because a lot of things can happen in two hours, let alone two weeks. Okay. The inauguration's tomorrow. We don't need any shenanigans being played. So that was uh, so eloquently stated. I, you know, <laughs> So much thought went into that. And I agree with you. You know, we talk about we talk about pricked. We talk about the fact that when someone pricks you, when you are like hit with something, it, it causes emotion, right? It You emote a response and the response can be positive. It can be negative. But we talk all the time about it being either inspirational or creating innovation or, you know, so you can take the perspective, you know, with our current leader for another how many hours you know that he <laughs> too many yeah inspired <laughs> or caused innovation or you know pushed people to the brink and made them think outside the box and you can say that but what has been the positive effect and i like you once you get to the point where you're inciting violence and you're creating this massive divide with the country versus saying we are all different and we should celebrate those differences because that's what makes up the beautiful tapestry of life in the world. If you can't come at it from that perspective and you have to say, I'm going to put you down because of your difference, then you're just perpetuating what we're trying to overcome with systemic racism and, and, you know, so many other issues that we've been trying to overcome for years and years and years. So decades and decades even. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's, I mean, and like I said, I can't put my thumb on it, whether he's done anything tangibly good or tangibly bad until that point, because a lot of what, like you guys talk about is who is inspired by it? What did they be inspired to do? And I can't speak to what a lot of people have done based on his inspiration or inspiration to get him out of office. Like I can't really speak to that, but I know for me personally, I can put my finger on last week's events as that should never happen again. That was violence. Four people died. He said, go there. That's not good. And those are like that checked all the boxes on my list of probably don't as president. And Mm -hmm. so that was where I was like, okay, well, even definitively now as a logical person, I believe that this is not what's best. And despite my disagreements with anybody who thinks this is what's best, that will be my form and factor of what's okay about this? Why should we encourage this? Why should we allow this? Why is this an okay precedent to set moving forward? It's 